Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and a happy Labor Day weekend to everybody out there, especially to the true believers who are already reading the Marvel Unlimited Monday comics that have come out on the app today. That's right, guys. Uh, Marvel does not care whether today is a holiday or not. They are releasing all of their comics right on time, and uh, this week there's a great stack of comics to read. And uh, before we get started on that, I just wanted to point out a couple of interesting comics that are going to be coming out uh, in stores on Wednesday. Um, It's uh, not necessarily the biggest week this week, but um, obviously House of X issue number four is coming out. There's some great covers out there uh, that I'm seeing on Midtown already are sold out. So um, if you're into that series, if you're not buying it digitally, if you're buying in print, I highly recommend getting to your shop sooner rather than later if you don't already have the comic on hold. Um, along with that is um, got some Star Wars. There's a new Black Widow um, series starting out, and I think though that it's just a five-issue series. It's called Web of Black Widow, and um, so yeah, it comes out on Wednesday. But I'm pr- like I said, I'm pretty sure it's just a one a one through five. If it's longer than that, fantastic. But um, I just I wasn't under the impression that it was anything more than that from the previews magazine, um, and then obviously the new the newest issue of Immortal Hulk comes out this week as well. Uh, for those of you who are fans of Immortal Hulk, uh, I read it on Marvel Unlimited, but uh, it's issue twenty three. What's nice is that that comic comes out twice a month, so you're getting a really good dose of Hulk every single month. Um, but yeah, those are the big ones sort of coming out this week. Um, but then the rest of this, we're going to be talking about the great new comics that came out today on Marvel Unlimited. So the first comic that I read was Age of X-Men, uh, issue number one. And uh, again, before we get started on these, there's probably going to be some spoilers for all of these comics. I'm going to try to keep them at a minimum, though. But um, X-Men, uh, Age of X-Men Extremis. And uh, this is just like those other issues. Now it seems like we're going to have one every single week, which is fine. And much like I thought, eventually we could not keep up the uh, all of them being great. There's always going to be one or two that maybe fall on the wayside, and I have finally found it, which is this this comic. Uh, written by Leah Williams, penciled by uh, George's or Jorge's Gianti, uh, inks by Roberto Paghi, color art by Jim Charlampidus. And uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, guys, heads up. Uh, But yeah, so no, this was, uh, in terms of being hit or hit or miss, in my eyes, I think this one was more of a miss. This kind of follows the uh, Department X that we had seen in the prior issue with Blob. Obviously, it seems they're kind of sinister, but Department X is Psylocke, X-Man, Northstar, Blob, Jubilee, and Moneta. And uh, the issue is just, it's about an instance where they're going to enforce something. I guess somebody either has woken up or realized that they're in uh, the wrong reality. And their job is to essentially put them on ice. And that's what happens. Iceman puts them on ice. But then there's a wrinkle at the end of it. And I'm going to mention it because I, 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 honestly, I don't even know where this series is going. And um, so they freeze one person and then the other person, the lady's like, wait, I'm pregnant. And then they freeze her, and I was like, oh, is she really pregnant? We've, we have not had a live birth in a long time. Like you, if you remember from, um, I believe it was Marvelous Age of X-Men, uh, they had said that there was, um, they like breed the mutants now. So no one, no one essentially has kids anymore. And so it was like, what? What's going on? But that, then that's the end of it. And um, so it's weird. They, 
I, I'm gonna obviously read the next issue. I have to just because it's an interesting wrinkle, but I, I need to know if this story's gonna go anywhere because if not, then I'll probably won't read after after that issue. But take that as you will. Again, if you're a huge X-Men fan and you're looking for um, an X-Men fix this week, I'd recommend one because Uncanny X-Men, I don't think Uncanny X-Men is a weekly series anymore. I think it's uh, bi-weekly at this point because I'm not seeing it this week. Next up is Avengers No Road Home. Uh, continuing on the hot streak that it was before, like I said, even on the on the days where there isn't a ton of action, this book is just an awesome book to read. And in my opinion so far, the the, the person stealing all the scenes is Hulk. If you love Immortal Hulk, he's just been knocking it out of the park. So this is written by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Wade, along with inks or pencils by Paco Medina, inks by Juan Velasco, color art by Jesus Abyrtov, and letters by V. VC's Corey Petit. And uh, so, yeah, this one, this follows uh, Rocket. And so, like I had said last uh, Wednesday in regards to the, the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy issue, this one also kind of goes into Rocket's past a little bit and uh, when he was created. But then we find out that whole instance of them being in the hospital was essentially a nightmare. And in every sense of the word, basically, nightmare is involved. So, the only spoiler I'll say is, if you remember from the last issue, uh, Spectrum, or not Spectrum, I'm sorry, Voyager, she transported everybody to quote-unquote where they needed to be to get those shards of Nyx. And so it looks like Hulk, Hawkeye, and Rocket went into Nightmare's realm, because apparently Nightmare has one of those. And there's just a really interesting exchange between the three of them and Nightmare that I, I really liked. I've not read a lot of, of Nightmare stuff, and I, I need to jump on that just because I think that he's going to be in this new Doctor Strange movie. But uh, this was cool. This was really cool. And then beyond that, Her Hercules, Vision, Spectrum, and Scarlet Witch are in their own spot as well looking and they're in this library and then um, a little bit of a battle ensues but um, obviously again this is a 12 issue series there's gonna be some issues where there isn't you know knock knockout constant action but in terms of just being an all-around great comic book that's what this one is for sure so uh, I hope you guys are checking this one out and reading it because I'm really enjoying it unfortunately this next one uh, Black Panther issue number nine it's not that I haven't been enjoying it. I've just been having a hard time following it. And so I think what I'm going to end up doing now, just based on um, reading this most recent one, is I'm going to wait until this whole intergalactic empire of Wakanda is over. And then I think I'll just read it all at once. Because especially when it comes to these sort of... Uh, universe-spanning type stories. Like like I said last time, it's, this is uh, it's Black Panther, The Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda, Book 2, The Gathering of My Name, Issue 9. Just like Jonathan Hickman, I think Ta-Nehisi Coates has been really just crafting this giant, long story. And I read probably the first seven issues, or this is Issue 9. I think I've read all of them. But the last few issues... It's just it's been it's been tough to follow just because it's such an expansive story and I feel like I'm not going to get a lot of it until either the end or other stories like honestly not a lot happens in this issue. It, it seems like there's a like a big underwater type fight and then there's some talking and uh, then at the very end there's a reveal of some new bad guy but then you get like this giant solar system map on the next page that shows everything and just in my eyes it's a little overwhelming and so I think it'll make more sense if I just read it all at once but I will give a shout out to the guys making this because it's still a great book like I said it's not that I'm not enjoying it 
That's a Tanahisi Coates and Kev Walker uh, are doing the book. That's both writing and, and art. Color art by uh, Stefan uh, Patriu, and then letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So yeah, check that out, especially if you're a fan of Black Panther. I, I can confidently say that Tanahisi Coates is killing it with Black Panther, and he has been since he started writing Black Panther. Uh, and speaking of Black Panther, the final issue of Black Panther versus Deadpool came out today. Issue number five. That's written by Daniel Kibblesmith with art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Color art by Felipe Sobriero and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This is the final issue, and uh, the issue title is called uh, "Take Down the Bad Guy," which was the final step in in uh, Deadpool's plan. This whole the whole thing is that he's trying to get vibranium for um, the Fantastic Four's mailman, Willie Lumpkin. And so he has a big battle with uh, Black Panther, and then he actually gets to fight himself. But uh, it, and I'll tell I'll tell you this much. I I really enjoyed this series. I thought it was a lot funnier than I gave it credit for on the onset. Because, like I've said before, I typically see these um, mini series with Deadpool as cash grabs of like, oh, people love Deadpool. Let's just put him up against somebody. And so they they uh, defied my expectations by making an actually interesting story. But it. Uh, it kind of just ends, and it, it doesn't end badly, but it's, you know, there's no, like, rev, there's no revelation or, oh, this is going to affect Deadpool in the future sort of thing. It doesn't, so it's a very self-contained story. Uh, if you're looking for a good laugh, check that one out for sure. Um, Captain America, issue number eight. I, uh, I'm, I'm a little off-put by this one only because uh, Lanil Yu is no longer doing, excuse me, is no longer doing the art or the, uh, the, yeah, he's no longer doing the art on this. So this is uh, Captain America, Captain of Nothing, Part 2, by ta Coates and Adam Kubert on art. And again, like I said, I, I wish Lanil Yu was still on it. I like when artists stick to stories, but I get why they can't. Either they're super busy or it's time-consuming sort of thing. And Adam Kubert does a great job. The art in here is great. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting. It's sort of like Lanil Yu's art, but uh, color art by Frank Martin, Martin and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So uh, the story at this point is Captain America turned himself in for a crime that he didn't commit, and he is staying in a prison that is run by Baron von Strucker. And apparently he's like just this sadistic, insane um, warden, I guess you could say, that you know punishes the, the captives, that sort of thing. At the same time, Sharon Carter is uh, essentially trying to figure what, out what's going on. She's trying to save Steve. But she's dealing with Kingpin, and there's a really good exchange between Kingpin. I mean, like I said, Black Panther doesn't matter what he's writing. Tanahisi Coates is just a great writer. He's he's a really good writer, like the sort of writing that you would want to read a book on, like an actual book, and he would keep you captivated. So you've just the way that he says certain things. Every every you know interaction always has some sort of undertone to it, or some sort of metaphor. And he just, it, it's so interesting to see that it instantly hooks you. Despite the fact that the artist changed, again, it's not bad art now. I'm just, I'm really curious to see where the story's going. The only thing, the only complaint I have about this series is a lot of the characters, almost all of the characters in this series are blonde-haired and white. And that's not a diss, obviously, it's just that... Um, I find it hard to actually keep up with who's who. So like I, you see Sharon, so there's, there's some panels in here, like I said, with Sharon Carter, Sharon Carter is, she's got gray hair. She's white with blue eyes. 
She's wearing an orange jumpsuit or something like that. But then we see this other person who's also wearing a sort of like pink, um, like I know she's not the same person, but she's sitting next to somebody who also looks like Steve Rogers and who also has blonde hair, blue eyes, and she has blonde hair, blue eyes. And so I'm just, I'm kind of confused as to who's who. Like they don't, they say it at the very beginning. I think they do a little cast call of who, all the people that are in here. But, um, and you know, I don't think they do that actually. No, they don't. But there's like, there's a lot of people in here right now from Captain America's past. That's the other thing I would say. If you, if you loved Ed Brubaker's run on Captain America, and if you loved Nick Spencer's Secret Empire run on Captain America, you will love this series because it, calls back to times during Ed Brubaker's run. It's completely dealing with everything from Nick Spencer's run, but a lot of the characters from Brubaker's run are in here. So you've got Alexander Lucan, and then actually I think that person, that other blonde is his like wife. She brought him back from the dead, but then there's some other people as well. So, and like I said, I don't want to spoil anything, but I would jump on this series because just for Ta-Nehisi Coates alone, um, the next one is an interesting cash grab. It's Captain Marvel, Braver and Mightier. I, uh, I was torn between buying this issue in the beginning when it came out uh, because there was a cool variant cover and I just decided not to to save money and I'm really glad that I did. So this was written by Jody Hauser with art by Simone Buonafantino or Buonfatino, color art by Eric Arcianega and then letters by VC Travis Lanham. But um, yeah, I mean the art is good. So if you want to check out this just for the art, I would. I there's a lot of cool shots with Captain Marvel, but for some reason, oh, that's weird. So the book is only 23 pages long. So it's a one-shot, but it's a one-shot that would have only been 3.99. And to me, just from reading this, I thought it was going to be a, a 34 a 32 page comic or that it would have been longer. And so when it got to the ending, I was like, "Oh, this is it. This is the end." Well, this is dumb. So, uh, I would I you could skip this. You could 100% skip this. Honestly, I wish I had skipped it. But uh I didn't and that's cuz I was curious. So, if you're curious, check it out. Like I said, the art was great, but uh other than that, there really was nothing special about this. It's just a basic story about Carol Danvers being Carol Danvers. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Captain Marvel, then hey, check that out. Daredevil issue number 2. This series, I'm I'm just I'm so happy that we're getting continuously good daredevil and we have been for a long time charles sewell knocked it out of the park and chip zadarsky is doing the same here not only in part because of marco chiquetto as well and i i got i really hope i'm pronouncing his name that's all that's all i know it as but marco chiquetto is doing art with sunny go on colors and then letters by vcs clayton cowell so obviously you know he knows how to pick the right um the right projects but uh no, this really just picks up right after the first issue, and it's it's a really great character study of has Daredevil been framed for murder, or has Daredevil just become too violent? And uh, we get another brilliant characterization of Kingpin. Like I said, the art alone, like I would have just read this if there was no uh, there was no words in it. I would have still checked the check this out because Marco Chiquetto is one of my favorite artists right now, and he even when he's doing the Daredevil. Um, his radar sense just looks so cool but like i said it's just a really good and and the very last uh, the very last panel as well is a really we're, we're being left on a very interesting note and and i'm not a fan of issue cliffhangers especially when and and you'll see it in this next one when i review fantastic four but this one is one of those ones where it could easily 
be completely wiped away by the beginning of the next issue, but I'm now noticing, and like I said, this art is just beautiful. So this last panel, uh, I won't say anything more than Daredevil's on the ground, and his his billy club batons are fully extended, but they're like wrapped around a lamp, like a lamplight, like a street light, and it like the the it's just beautiful. The texture on this, the 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 attention to detail is just phenomenal. So jump on this comic if you haven't gotten on it already. Like there's no reason for you not to. This book is so good. And we're getting a chip double dip this week because you got the invaders coming out as well, though. We'll get to that review in a second. So Fantastic Four, issue number seven by Dan Slott with art by Aaron Cooter and John Lucas. Color art by Marte Gracia with Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Joe Caramaga. Magna. So this follows up with uh, Fantastic Four's kind of fight with Galactus along with Doctor Doom. And uh, guys, uh, you you heard it from me first. I am a fan of every single Marvel young gun artist right now except for Aaron Cooter. And I don't know what it is about his art uh, because it certainly isn't bad. It's not terrible. I just It's off-putting to me and I can't put my finger on why. It's like the way that he does, it might. It, it, I thought it was the way that he does faces, but I think it's just the way that he does his uh, his detailing. Like everything looks like it's hatched, or um, like there's just almost too much. It's really weird. Like, for example, and I'm going to point some of these out for you, so you can you can tell me your opinions on this as well. Tell me I'm crazy. On page six, there's a there's a uh, like a, a little quick panel on the top left of Doctor Doom. That's he's like typing in on his arm, but Doctor Doom's helmet just looks like there's too much on it. Like there's too many little screws and little hatch hatch pencil marks on it. And same can be said for like the Human Torch's fire. And um and and so again, I I I know I sound like I'm complaining, but I'm just trying to give you an explanation as to why. Other than that, I enjoyed this issue save for the very end so I, I still don't really know what's going on and and i'm gonna have to correct that too because i was thinking about it earlier it's not that i don't like it i just i've read better fantastic four stories i don't know what dan slot is trying to accomplish and I, I i say that because he started out this series really strange like the, the book was it was like a three issue story and i get that it was because the first issue was 599 so it's like three stories one but start with a three issue story and then another 599 issue for the wedding for ben Grimm, and then it immediately jumped to this whole thing with galactus which seems like dr doom like brought galactus here on purpose but then Doctor Doom is back to having his face be the way that it is, like all messed up, and Galactus is here, but I don't, I just don't see like what, so what are the Fantastic Four planning on doing? Because, and by the end of this, here's what I'll say, and this is a, this is a spoiler if you just want to know the end of the panel, because I, I personally don't even think this is going to happen, this is what I mean by ending cliffhangers. Um, there's a, there's like a flash of light around the Fantastic Four and they, they kind of, they basically knocked out Galactus in a sense. And, uh, Victor Von Doom says, it could not be helped, Zora. They broke the laws of Latveria. I had no choice, which is garbage because he basically brought them there and they helped him. So this is obviously a trick. Though it pains me to do it, all four of them must be sentenced to death. 
So it's like, okay, so at the end of this issue, it's led to believe that he's killed the Fantastic Four. He's sentenced them to death. We know that's not the case. So I just, I don't like those sort of cliffhangers where it's like supposed to be trying to get you invested in getting the next issue, but I have no investment in it because I know they're not going to die. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, even coming up on issue, I think issue 12 or we're close to the end of this year. Um, for Fantastic Four, and I still, even with the solicitations, I still don't really know what's coming. I know that he, the Hulk and the, the Thing fight, and I've heard that's a very contentious fight. I'm really interested to see that when it comes to Marvel Unlimited, but yeah, I just, the, the most recent Fantastic Four stuff that I've read was the Matt Fraction run with Fantastic Four and FF, and uh, I was more of a fan of FF than Fantastic Four. And then before that, Hickman's run. And Hickman's run's like the gold standard, in my opinion, besides some other stuff in the past. So it's like, I'm j- I guess I'm just comparing it to that. It's a, it's a weaker story of Fantastic Four. I just figured after as much time that they didn't write Fantastic Four, that Marvel didn't have a book out, which was like a couple years, you would think that when they re have them come out with a brand new number one issue, that they would want to make sure that that story is aces that it's a knock out of the park and i just i I don't know if it is yet and who knows again i typically when it comes to stories like this or, or issue runs i think you can easily tell the direction of a story either by the first six issues or first 12 because those are the arcs and for the most part when you think about it writers are pitching to marvel a six story arc and going, oh yeah, I can I can get more than that though. Like I can easily get you a twelve or like and Donnie like Donnie Cates has said that when he pitched Venom, he pitched his a fifty issue run for Venom. Like he had fifty issues in his head. And you can say the same for like Tom King with Batman. He's he's almost at a hundred. But for the most part, you see you see collected editions in a one through six, or then you see the bigger hardcovers in a one through twelve to show a condensed story at that point. And yeah, they'll keep writing after that. But you can kind of tell, like, okay, Dan Slott's Fantastic Four run, I think I'm going to probably be able to get a full idea of what that looks like by the 12th issue. Um, I should have by the 6th, and I I can say that I have, but if I did, then I would stop reading this book, and I don't want to because I like the Fantastic Four. So I'm giving it 12 issues. Um, Again, I love, even just the cover art is cool because Esad Ribic is doing the cover art on that one. But we're going to move on. So Invaders, issue number two by Chip Zdarsky and art by Carlos Mango and or Magno and Butch Geis with color art by Alex Gumeres and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, I uh, breezed through this issue. And the reason I say that is because this is going to be my uh, last issue reading this. And I, I gave it a shot. I gave the first issue a shot and the second issue. I bet you guys can probably guess why I don't like this series. And uh, it's nothing against the series itself. It's it's just like I said, it's just my time is valuable. And there's certain issues that are series that I don't want to read. And it comes down to two things, the art and the the time period. Like I said, I, I'm not a huge fan of war stuff. Like, uh, 19 the basically world war ii stuff and honestly that's one of my least favorite parts of the marvel universe i love it as a history lesson i love here like i one of my favorite stories if you're looking for a good story about the history of the marvel universe besides the history of the marvel universe by mark wade is uh the marvels project by ed brubaker and um 
I actually have it. If you bear with me just a second, I will find out who the artist is. And the artist is Steve Epting. And I should have known because he did he did uh, Captain America with uh, with Brubaker as well. But this book it's a tw- it's it's a one through eight. I have the I'm looking at the collected edition right now. Uh, I picked it up on Black Friday on CheapGraphicNovels.com. It's a $29.99 uh, trade paperback, which is impressive for it being that expensive. Uh, but I think I got it for like eight bucks. But um, that is a great retelling of the history of the of like that time period of World War II and Namor, Human Torch, that sort of stuff. I just I I mean, and I've tried. There was a there was an Invaders series a couple years ago that came out on Marvel Unlimited, and I gave that one a shot as well, and I just didn't like it either. I just nothing about that time period interests me at all. And if anyone's gonna make me interested in it, it would be Chip Zdarsky. But this art is just I. It's the same as almost like the Aaron Cooter art. And even then, you can easily tell that there are two different people doing the art. There are certain scenes where people's faces have way too much going on on them, like too many. It's that that whole hash mark thing. Like I said, you look at to, and do this. This 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 is this is an ask for, for me to, to, again, for my own sanity. If you look at this issue compared with last week's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, and look at the people in those issues to see what I'm talking about, whereas Juan Cabal's art is so crisp there are no hatchings or any sort of pencils on people's faces it's like a crisp uh pristine face whereas the faces in here always look like there's stuff going on and i'm going to point out a very specific page page 13 of this invaders number two um the guy i can't even look at the guy's face it, it irritates my head so um if any of you are reading this you know hey good for you enjoy it uh but I, i'm not going to be reading it after this one and then uh, next up is Marvel Comics Presents, issue number two. This is by a multitude of people. There's three stories per issue, and one is always the same, which is the story of Wolverine by Charles Sewell and pencils by Paolo Sequeira with inks by Oren Jr. and color art by Frank Diarmada with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And uh, this is the Vigil Part 2, very quick story, but just uh, 10 years in the future, uh, Wolverine still having to deal with the Vigil. I think this is going to start picking up in the next few issues just because we know kind of where it's going based on the current issues coming out. Um, And honestly, that was the only one that I liked of of the stories. So the Mr. Fantastic story is by Mark Wade and uh, Jabril Morissette Fan with color art by Dan Brown, same letterer, Mr. Caramagna. Uh, I... The the it was boring the the Mister Fantastic one I didn't find any any value in it and then same with the Gorilla Man issue by David and Maria Lapham with art by David Lapham and color art by Lee Lawridge with VCs Joe Caramagna on uh, letters. If you like Gorilla Man though, at least the Gorilla Man story was kind of entertaining and cool. But they're very short stories. Like the Gorilla Man story is I think ten pages. I think they're all three 10-page stories. So um, if you're looking for one of those quick reads where you're, you're not having to invest a lot of time, these are perfect books because they're the, it's an anthology series. But other than that, it's, in my opinion, it's kind of skippable at this point. I'll let you know because I'm going to keep reading it, but I'll let you know when it gets to the point of like, oop, we should probably be hopping on this. Next up is The Superior Spider-Man, issue number three. Uh, 
a sleeper hit in my eyes. I kind of roll. I didn't necessarily roll my eyes when this series kind of came out. I loved Superior Spider-Man. I think I've said that before on these prior issues, but I'm just really happy that this series is good. I'm, I'm really happy. So this is issue number three by Christos Gage, Mike Hawthorne on pencils, Wade Von Grawbadger on inks, and Jordi Belair on colors with VCs Clayton Cowles on letters. See, I knew I knew there was a reason this was a great issue. So uh, at this point, Superior Spider-Man, Otto Octavius, is uh, fighting Terax, the Destroyer, and uh, Superior Spider-Man has the power cosmic right now, and so there's a really great battle of wits and of power, and the coolest thing of all is that Anna Maria Marconi is in on it and helping, because like I said at the beginning, my biggest fear was just going to be that Anna was going to hate him forever and want to like lock him up in prison because of what he did to her in the past. And that's not really the case. She's wanting to keep an eye on him. And she even mentions, I'm going to be like your probation officer, basically. And uh, so I'm really, really interested to see where this story plays out. Because in terms of Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man, he he's going to go down in history as one of the best writers of Spider-Man just due to sheer volume of issues. But um, And the quality was hit or miss. I'll, I'll give people that. But one of the things I think he nailed and knocked out of the park was... Uh, and something that, and you're hearing it here first, I would not be surprised if future issue, f- future movies of Spider-Man um, play into this because at some point you're going to run out of Spider-Man uh, type stories. It's like, oh, you know, we can only tell the same story so many times. Uh, why wouldn't you adapt this? Why wouldn't you adapt a Dr. Otto Octavius in the body of Peter Parker with also Anna Maria and the uh, the living brain also being in it? Because all three of them are just so good. And Dan Slott killed it with them on his run. And Christos Gage is picking right up with it. So read this issue, if not just for that. That, uh, that whole, just the whole back and forth between the two of them is really great. I, I'm okay if they don't, uh, uh, you know, ever get a romantic relationship again. I'm fine with that because, uh, they had one already. And so it'll, it's nice to just see this sort of redemption of Otto trying to be better, trying to be superior and, uh, failing because he needs the help of others. And it's nice to see him wanting the help of others by the end of the issue. Um, honestly guys my pick and this is funny too it's the last issue i'm reviewing today but this is my pick of the week this is amazing spider-man issue 16 the prelude to hunted which uh i am starting to think and since i have this on here i can actually double check because i I do my reviews just reading off the app on my ipad and so i actually have my hunted issues in the marvel app part of the ipad and i'm going to confirm something real quick I can confirm real quick. So, uh, like I said, I bought the connecting variant cover set for the Hunted series, which uh, contained Amazing Spider-Man 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, and 22. For some reason, the connecting variant set did not include issue 16. And when I read issue 17, so I've read, I think, like 17, 18, and 19, uh, but I'm going to reread all of them. And I've decided that I'm going to do it on um on marvel unlimited because uh, i want to read those tie-in issues as well at the same time so i'll I'll be patient i'll be fine but uh i did not read issue 16 and when i read 17 on its own i was so confused i was like what is going on like 
what why does craven have a like a son like all this stuff was really weird well that's because everything is explained in issue 16 so issue 16 it, it's an oversized issue it's a 499er so it's it's 34 pages and it literally sets up hunted so uh jump on this ryan and i gotta get into them too i'm so excited i'm missing that so it's written by nick spencer spencer with pencils by ryan otley and alberto albuquerque along with inks by Cliff Rathburn and Alberto Albuquerque, colors by Laura Martin, Brian Reber, and Carlos Lopez, and then letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. So this uh, is an amazing issue just because of the writing. The story is creepy. So just a brief glimpse into this. Craven uh, created 87 clones of himself and raised them to be the best hunters to basically be him so that he can have a legacy. And, uh, and so we kind of get to see that. And then eventually only one survives the one of his sons kills all of the other ones and says like, I hunted them all. So he's like, Oh my God. He says, stop. You are a monster an abomination, a beast. I've never felt such pride as I now feel like his dad is so happy. Like Sergi is so happy that his son did that. But then it's cool because this story really, and I don't know if this is like a passion for Nick Spencer or whatnot, but there are a lot of callbacks or, or call outs to poachers and hunting and those people who feel the need to take a photograph of themselves when they've killed like he so he's got a, a list it shows like a dead elephant and then a a um a cape buffalo trapped in a a trap a rhino whose horns got cut off and then a guy posing with the tiger he killed a girl posing with a giraffe she killed two guys posing with a couple of dead gorillas and he's saying uh, uh, the rich, rich fools desecrate hollowed ground in search of their lost vigor. They call themselves hunters, but they are walked into the jungle like children holding a teacher's hand. They pr- their prey is made weak by traps and drugs and poison, and then they demean the animal's sacrifice with their taunts and their boasts, which uh, is just such a cool way. Because I, I, I am a hunter. I don't hunt very often, but my dad and I go deer hunting, and and you know I like fishing and and all that sort of stuff. And I am very, I am, I, I would be like Craven in a sense versus these people. Like I. I feel no desire to have my photo taken with anything that I kill. I specifically am doing it so that I can make really good food out of it because the guy that we use for it makes the best deer meat food. Um, whether you you know like it, believe in it, regardless, the food is out of this world, especially the chili. And that stuff keeps me satisfied for a very long time. So there's reasons behind it. Not only that, I... Uh, I mean, you know, like I, I thank the animal and all that stuff. Like I, I have no desire to go trophy hunting. Is like, what are you supposed to do with a giraffe? What are you gonna do after that? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna mount. I'm gonna mount this giraffe. Oh, you're gonna do a full mount? Yeah, I'm gonna do a full mount. So I'm gonna have to put it in my backyard because it's not gonna fit in my house. I guess unless maybe you're so rich that you have a vaulted ceiling that's like. 20 30 feet high that you could put a full giraffe in or maybe you just do the neck mount and then you just have this giant giraffe neck sitting on your fireplace that's that you know peeks into your bedroom window because it's going so high i just i don't see the point in any of that at all at all um so yeah no so i thought that was a really cool call out by him that uh kind of not necessarily dissing but essentially condemning those types of people because um and Nick Spencer's a brave guy because he kind of called out a lot of people in his Secret Empire run as well. So he's not afraid to talk about the things that he believes in if that is something that he believes in. But, but besides that, we get the whole setup to the hunted storyline. And 
And then at the end, Spider-Man isn't even in it, and they acknowledge it. At the very end, he goes, oh, turn the page. We're not finished yet. And so then you get a second story, which is why there are two uh, pencilers on here. Uh, The second story is interesting, not as exciting as the first story, but sets up where Spider-Man was at the beginning of 17, because even with him, he's uh, he's with Black Cat and Kirk Connors' son. And I was like, what's going on? And uh, that's because I hadn't read the prior issue. So now having read them, I feel like I'm caught up. I feel like I'm ready to go and uh, I am ready to dive into this hunted storyline. So we've got a lot of cool things going on now for this next these next few months. We've got Avengers, uh, No Road Home, and we've got the hunted storyline. So those will be things that I'm really going to be excited to discuss as they kick into high gear. And um, like I said, I look forward to talking with you guys on Wednesday. There's actually only one comic that I'll be reviewing on Wednesday, which is the House of X issue number four. And so I am super excited to read that issue. And uh, you guys will be the first people to hear it. But uh, again, hope you guys had a great Labor Day weekend. Hope it was restful, relaxing, and got to spend time with the people you love. And I will talk to you guys next time. This is Alex Klein with Comics and Cinema. Thanks for listening. Thank you.